This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is it good to be in Malachi? See, you never thought you'd say that, right? See, all it took me was 38 weeks of preparation. I could get you guys willingly from your own hearts to say, it's good to be in Malachi. See? So here we are. We've walked through 38 other books. We now sit in the last prophet. 430 years are what separate us from Jesus' birth. Uh, but if we're honest about it, there were difficult moments in the reading. Am I right? There's parts you didn't understand. There's parts you weren't happy with what God did. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that I recall through our conversations. You said, I'm not really keen on what he did to that family, to that nation, to that community. There's a whole bunch of stuff that didn't feel like the seasoning that you're sometimes told. You know, pastor says reading God's word is up, it seasons your life and it will help. And then you were like, I'm not sure that there was much seasoning when he took out that whole community or wiped them out or had this problem. See, difficult moments that kind of leave us to wonder, well, where's the justice in that? Why is it that that happened in that way? You guys remember a call from Habakkuk, uh, the prophet, just a few weeks ago as we read, here's the charges that Habakkuk brought. We read them in our small groups, but here they are again. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or I cry out violence and you will not save? Remember, Habakkuk was a prophet to the people in exile. They're going into exile, and Habakkuk's big challenge was, God, you can't, you can't push us into exile, but if you have to, you can't do it with what people did he not like them using? He said, you can't use Babylon. I mean, if you're going to punish me, at least punish me like using my mom or dad or like my principal from school who I respect. That's not who God used. The question was, God, this doesn't seem right. Deuteronomy 25, verse 16, wrote it in this way. Again, the charges aren't new that you have about the Old Testament. Moses wrote in the, that kind of second speaking of the law, as he in his final sermons shared with the people of Israel, he said, Deuteronomy 25, 16, all who act dishonestly, now get ready for it, this is a moment where you're going to want to kind of slide back into the back of your seat. All who act dishonestly are an abomination to the Lord your God. It's not really kind of a pick-me-up, really. It doesn't, it's not going to, it's not going to pack all the seats here. It's not going to fill everyone up, but it's there. And that was 1400 B.C. So what I'm sharing with you, Habakkuk happens when? Just prior to exile as they're going in and they're warning. And that's going to happen around 600 B.C. Take it 900 years further back, 1400 B.C. As Moses is speaking in his closing sermons, same thing. If you act dishonestly, things are going to happen. You're an abomination to the Lord. So where are we today? 400 years separate Malachi to Jesus' birth. I mentioned that. So it would be like the separation between you today and the settlement at Jamestown. So they kind of celebrated their 400 years a little while ago. 1607 was, uh, was when they kind of marked that out. Uh, and said, and so you kind of think of these 400 years, that's your separation from that first settlement uh, that came in as we kind of mark it, Malachi. Now, how many of you recall everything that was spoken in Jamestown? You guys have been reading the, the minutes, right, from all their council meetings in Jamestown? If you actually go to Jamestown, what you discover is they know a whole lot, and there's a whole lot of stuff they what? 
They don't. And then, like, the, the great thing I discovered around here, it seems to be at least more historically fun, like the lost colony, you know? How do you lose a colony? Now, I read somebody like, Pastor, we'll tell you after there's history of thousands. I get it. Israel loses 10 tribes, right? 10 tribes, they lose them. Things happen along the way. So if you thought 400 years of prophetic silence from Malachi to Jesus' birth was something, how many of you are excited to be in church today? I mean, just you're happy to be here. See, now you're happy to be here, yet it's been 2,000 years uh, since it's here. So we're like, yeah, but Pastor, that's, that's not prophetic silence. I, I get it. Christ has come. I'm sure 2,000 years, and you thought 400 was long. So what's God up to? Let's go in. Uh, go to Malachi. Chapter 2 is where we are headed first. Malachi 2.17. Uh, and it talks about uh, God's people getting, well, tired. God's people just kind of going, what's happening now? You have wearied the Lord with your words. Because, well, we ask lots of questions. You guys ever ask questions when you were getting, you know, growing up? Why is that? And then, I, like, the, the one thing I, I never liked Unfortunately, not only because I, I kind of like the question, I didn't always like the answer. The student would raise their hand in math class, and they'd say, you guys know this, right? So math is happening, and someone raised their hand and says to the teacher, anyone know this? You forgot to give us homework. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Jo, the educator, yeah, you bet. Why are we doing this? When are we ever going to use this in life? When am I going to use this in life? Some of you are like, well, pastor, you have to answer that about your sermon too, buddy. You're on the clock now. When am I going to use this in my life? Uh, and unfortunately, you know what? Sometimes the answer came back? Silence. I'm sitting there now going, all the time. All the time. Trust me, if more people knew math, we'd balance more checkbooks. It'd be a great thing. And some of you are like, sweet, you got people that will do that for me? No, no, no. I'm not saying we have people that will come and do it. Just sharing these pieces of we just wonder when will we use it. So they've asked questions of the Lord. You have wearied the Lord with your words, the prophet wrote. How have we wearied him? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. And he is pleased with them. Or where is this God of justice? See, God is tired by people saying, it's okay. They're not doing anything wrong. They're okay. It's okay, you can follow what you want, you can have your own, it's a neat thing, right? And we now have our own personal truth. You have your own personal truth. You can have that. And that's great, because God's going to be okay with it. It's going to be just fine. So it leaves open-ended questions that come out of here, right? The question, where is justice? And then why do some dishonest people seem to be winning? That was Habakkuk. God, why is it that you're not delivering for me this? But Deuteronomy 25, 16 was pretty clear. All who act dishonestly are an abomination to the Lord. Well, that's, <laughs> that still leaves us in this awkward phase where we're going, I, I, so what do I do? How is it that I move forward? So into the word of scriptures, we, we flee. We flee because we're looking for answers. And you've read 39 books, and you find that at the end of reading, what I've heard some of you say is, the Old Testament isn't what you thought it was going to be. And what you said was, you know, along the way, what it ended up being was just a story about God caring for people. People who were always doing what? Fleeing. Always running away. Always. 
God says, I've got you, I've settled it again. And they run away again, and they chase after something else. They chase after the gods of Canaan, they chase after all these different settings and peoples and places. Don't make arrangements with other governments. That was the warning during the time of Isaiah. And the king said, great idea, love it. And then he made arrangements with all the neighboring kingdoms to set up peace treaties. I mean, just again and again, the challenge that comes forward. Now, some of you are very familiar with uh, these, this phrase, we need not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. Uh, it draws from the 91st Psalm. Uh, it, it's the one that carries us forward and talks to us about just realizing that God is our ever-present refuge and strength. This is what the tens of thousands of youth who gathered the National Youth Gathering heard. God's a refuge. The Old Testament's filled with lots of stories where all you wanted to do when you read it was find yourself running where? Into a place of refuge. And the weird part is you almost wanted to run from, it sounds weird, you almost wanted to run from God because you were so troubled by what God was having to do to the people that weren't listening. Anyone willing to admit that was kind of something you felt? You're like, I don't think I like this. I, I'm not comfortable with what's happening as God is running over these people. Because somewhere down in your heart you thought, hmm, I looked in a mirror this morning and I'm a people too. And if God did that to people, ooh, what might he do to me, a people? Deuteronomy 25, 16, all who act dishonestly are an abomination to the Lord. Well, we've been walking through Hebrews, as you've seen the last three weeks. We've kind of had that as one of our readings that's running forward. Uh, and you can stay in Malachi, it's fine, but I just want to paint the picture. We closed last week uh, here in Hebrews 9, 22. We had this picture of, of the blood sacrifices, this idea of blood, which is a weird term. We're like, Pastor, we already agreed it was gruesome. Why are you taking me back to blood? In fact, the law requires that everything to be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. You see, this whole challenge when you get to Malachi and you're left going, so what do I do? All God's people are kind of left at the end of Malachi doing this, looking and peering for what God's going to do next. God, what's going to be the piece that's going to set me free? Why do we go to Hebrews? Because Hebrews is, again, that great bridge between the New Testament and the Old to remind us that God's story isn't two stories, it's one. And that Malachi just told us that the one who was coming, who would be the bridge, who would help us across this piece. Hebrews explains how the sacrificial system that ran throughout the whole Old Testament is replaced with something better. And not just something better, <laughs> something that you're so accustomed to when I talk about animal sacrifices, most of you are like, ooh, that's weird. Isn't that odd? You are so accustomed to hearing the one who will fill in this verse and chapter of Hebrews 9.22 that even to have the idea that you'd sacrifice an animal, some of you are like, whoa, we don't do that. Well, if you don't understand the sacrificial system that was part of the daily living and breathing of everyone in the Old Testament, then this Jesus who we preach and teach isn't really going to make that much sense. Verse 28, Christ was sacrificed once. Think of all the animals that were offered across the centuries. And Christ does this how many times? And all God's people said? Now, you might think that this is weird. There are some people that don't think that's true. That they think Jesus needs to be sacrificed multiple times or that you need to do more things. Now, some of you are like, that's not possible. 
You are cloistered, brothers and sisters, if you do not realize how unique it is to hear the purity of what God's doing. Because there are people like, oh, no, we've got to do more work. How many times was Jesus sacrificed? Once. See, I have you say these things so you actually own it, that you can actually, it, it was on your lips, and it came out. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So you got in that one verse, you got it all. You got Jesus coming to take away sin, and then you got Jesus coming again, and man, that's going to be an awesome day. It's the end of the creed, and I believe the life of the world too. Now, we're going to say that part one more time, but you're going to smile this time, because it's pretty neat. I believe in the life of the world too, and you're actually excited about it. <laughs> Sunday morning conversations are always great, because you're just like, does he really want us to respond, or does he not? Like, is this... I mean, because, you know, your cues are different on different Sundays, Pastor. Was this like just kind of rhetorical or is this kind of stepping in and talking? I know. You don't always know. I can be vague, but God's not. God's not vague. He says Christ comes one time for, for all. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I know, but right up here in the ESV, it says for many. That's true. That's how they, they rendered it here. So when you get to a difficult passage, what do we do? You go somewhere else where it's clear. And you look throughout Scripture, and very clearly, what does it say? Christ's sacrifice was for all. So what do you make of many? There are many people in all. Some of you are like, oh, whew. oh gosh, you're like getting into a theological conundrum there. I was very, very worried. You guys have all said different things at, at different times. God's got us. And he's caring for each of us. And as he cares for us, sometimes we've got questions along the way. See, it's why when we prepare the Lord's Supper, when many times we'll actually sing the Agnes Day, the Lamb of God, the one-time sacrifice. We don't just sing it and put up Latin because we're like, ooh, we learn Latin. No, no, no. It gives you a chance to be connected to this bigger picture. One of the joys of gathering in a church that has a history of more than just five or ten years but is connected to Christendom across centuries and millennia is you are connected back to realize we're not alone. And then we go all the way back to John the Baptist who saw Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It, it changes the service when you go, Oh, oh. So this guy we're talking about isn't just here for me. He's here for everybody. But guess what? I want you to hear again. He's here for you. Because sometimes when I say he's here for everybody, there's someone in here who goes, yeah, but I'm not good enough to be in everybody. Because God doesn't know me. But he does. He knows you very well. And Jesus died specifically for you. But we got questions about that. Malachi, prophets, concerns. It's why, as we read in our New Testament lesson that gospel reading you've got jesus following the resurrection he's gathered there with the disciples and brothers and sisters they got questions he said to them this is what i told you and it's great it sounds like it sounds like a mom or a dad who's just looking at the child going all right we'll go through it one more time this is what i told you while i was still with you everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms, which is shorthand for, or some of you would be like, well, it's actually longhand because it's more vowels and consonants, the whole Old Testament. This is what Jesus is actually saying there. What he's reminding them is, 
You know what I'm telling you because you've read all of this. Here's the neat part. You, for the first second, go, you bet. I did. I read it. I've now read the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms, and it turns out promise is there all the time. Restoration, care, and watch care is there again and again, and this is what God is up to. He's reminding us that he's got us in the midst of the storm, but we've got to listen to all of it, what I told you. All right, how many of you have been on a long trip anywhere, just a long trip? Now, how many of you have your new phone that tells you about where to go, whether you're using the Waze app, Google Maps, something else, you've got that ready to go. All right, sweet. So this red line appears, you know, your app may use a different one, and then it says what? Faster route. Now you have a couple options that are there. You wonder, does it really know? Is it that smart? How quickly is it updating? And either following the app or not following the app, the story goes different ways, but you've all been there. You decide, I'm getting off now. And you get off the exit ramp, and you go up on the exit ramp, and the road's going to take you on a little side road. And right as you turn, you go over top, and you see what you didn't see, which is what? The road is completely clear. You got off 600 feet from the end of the backup. And then you glance, and in a split second, you look in front of you, and you notice what? 900 other people did the same thing. And you are now in a traffic jam of the people who thought they could outwit the car and this wonderful piece of data that was in front of you, whether you followed it or not. You got off too soon. You didn't hear the story. See, this is what happens in the Old Testament. If you get off too soon and you don't let God finish the narrative, you're not going to get to see the deliverance that's right at the end. See, that's 44. They're sitting there going, you, you got to hear it, everything I told you. And then look at 45. Then he opened their minds. <laughs> then it's like he picked them up in a helicopter, took them up over top the accident, and goes, it's right there, man. You're fine. I, you, you, it's just 500 feet. But from where you were, you couldn't. Why? That 18-wheeler that was in front of me, I couldn't see anything. I needed to get off. Yeah, without the 18-wheeler. So you'll just blame the 18-wheeler, right? That, oh, you know, they were the problem. But then he opened their minds. Jesus lifted them up enough they could see what they could not see so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what's written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. So some of you are still hung up and you're like, well, I'm not sure if he really dies once for many, for all the nations. We let Scripture interpret Scripture. Scriptures help no illuminate. I wasn't real comfortable with that first. Well, great. Here you go. Now it's real clear. Many meant God's doing this for everyone. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. Remember, the whole Testament's been filled with promises. And now we start to hear that God's unlocking this again and again. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Uh, most of you know that's the, that's the lead up to Pentecost. Uh, that's them just kind of waiting there for the Holy Spirit to pour out upon them. Now, the Old Testament leaves for some of you still many questions, and you're wondering, going, well, why is Noah building an ark? Why is Joseph storing up so much grain in Egypt for all those years? If our God's good, why can't we pray to the gods of Canaan too? Can't we just add one more to the mix? God said we can't make political treaties with Assyria and Egypt, but, you know, it seems prudent we should because, you know, we know better than God. 
you can fill lots of different things, lots of different questions people would have had. Old Testament's filled with things you can question. But in the midst of all the questions that you have, realize you have a God who hears them and answers them all in Christ. Every promise that God said finds its culmination in Jesus. See, what's difficult for us at times to deal with in life is the rest of the story. See, sometimes on a Sunday, we just don't, we don't get to the part of, well, pastor, I'm dealing with real pain and, and real challenge and real questions. Where's God in the midst of that? He's right where he promised he'd be. He's unlocking all of these things to us by faith to let us know that he has given that sacrifice once for, and all God's people said, all. Yeah, once for all. So if you're wondering, like, where's God? Where is God in that crisis? Where is God in the storm? The answer is right where he promised he'd be. He died and rose so that those catastrophes, those challenges, those concerns don't get to have the end of the day. You have worked now for nine months, and you have made it this far. By my view, as I look up, you've made it, hmm, it's a great Bible test. You can do the math if you want. You're way past half, and you're probably past three quarters. And a lot of you thought we'd never make it. But what I want to make sure you hear is don't get off yet. Don't get off the exit ramp now. Because if you thought God's promises were good through Malachi, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because it's going to get better, and it will unlock in ways you have never imagined. Because Christ is everything God the Father ever promised him to be. It is a message that started in Jerusalem and went out and even found itself to this little podunk town that was named Apex only because it was the highest point on a weird railroad line that was a nothing town. Don't tell the town council or the mayor. Hopefully they don't listen to this one online. But God came here in England. <laughs> I mean, that's weird. I hope you all realize that. Because English isn't exactly what Peter, James, and John were speaking. The fact that you're hearing it today in English is really, really kind of, well, missionary-like. And some of you didn't come here thinking like, wow, I'll have a great missionary experience today. The fact that you are here, you are a living, breathing reality of the mission experience that God has been doing just as he promised. It happened just as I told them, and then he opened their minds. May God continue by his spirit to open your mind to what Christ is doing at this day, in this place, so that he might continue to do that in all places. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.